Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and one of the greatest parts of my job is to get to meet some of the great people that I run into along the way. And we have a chance to meet and get introduced to somebody by the name of Nikki Thompson Frazier. Nikki, welcome to our show. Yay! Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here, and I have to tell you, I'm excited about the enterprise that you're engaged in. You are the CEO and founder of Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. Tell me all about that. Yes, Sweet Encounter Bakery. We are located in the Nats Building, downtown Lansing. We specialize in the best gluten-free eats, treats, and cooking classes for all ages. We are more than a bakery because we provide not only sweet treats, but food and cooking classes for all ages. Well, and that's really exciting because your origins aren't necessarily what I would say is traditional as maybe other startup businesses. And so one of the reasons why I was introduced to you was through a wonderful community leader by the name of Michelle Massey. She's a vice president out at TechSmith and is doing great things in the community. And she had a little bit of a competition that she helped to organize. Tell me about that. Yes, the Lansing Built to Last. So the Lansing Built to Last was a business competition. I think close to 80 businesses actually applied. They narrowed it down. You had to do a business plan. You had to work with a business coach, do a business pitch, get your budget together. So many different elements of it. And then they made the winner, and I was the winner of the inaugural business competition. And basically, they provide you with lots of free services to get your business growing in that first year to ensure that you are in fact built to last so legal services accounting marketing free rent actually for a year so all the things that you need to help you be successful in your first year man that's like as good as the lottery when you start talking about some of those values when you're a yeah. startup business those things go cha-ching real quick <laughs> exactly we got just a few sessions that we can go here on this show but i'm gonna have to go all the way back to the beginning so tell me what what was the inspiration from a bakery standpoint? Why did that interest you? What was that all about in your heart? How did that capture your mind? Great question. So I started this business because both my girls have food allergies and everything we do here is gluten-free and it's also peanut-free. So we really cater to a lot of different people with different types of, you know, food sensitivities. And it's really great because not only do we have people that have those needs, but also like at least 50% of our business comes to people who don't have them because our products are just that delicious. Well, Nikki, you and I have never met each other in person, but we're going to because you own a bakery and you become my newest best friend as a result of that. But let me ask you this. When you start talking about some of the specialty baking that you do, do you lose any of the yum factor in what you're doing? Or have you found a way to overcome that in terms of the allergies and keep the taste there? That is a great question about flavor, taste, and texture. I would say if you're anybody else but me, you might have issues with that. But here, you cannot tell the difference. Really? So, oh. yes. And people so love it. Did that take a lot of your time and effort to master that, to make it so that you could get there in such a way? Absolutely. It took a lot of trial and error. I did a lot of experimenting. So I took a lot of family recipes and just turned them into gluten-free. I was determined because I wanted to make sure that my daughters could enjoy the same yummy treats that I did growing up. And I didn't want to compromise on flavor, taste, texture, any of that. Wow. Well, mom of the year, for sure. That's awesome. Thank Good for you. you. And I will say that my mom 
She was like my tester. So she didn't mince words. If it did oh. not taste good, she would tell me. <laughs> and so that was my barometer. I was like, if I can convince my mom this tastes good, then I'm on to something. Well, I think so. And sometimes moms just let you know exactly where they stand. And it sounds like you've got a great one that helped you. So is mom part of your inspiration for being a baker and running a cafe? Yeah, well, see, my mom, she's passed away, but she was an entrepreneur herself. She had a beauty salon. So now they call it like a hair salon or just a salon, but they called back in the day, it was a beauty salon and she was a beautician, not a hairstylist. And so (laughs) I watched her build her business. And so she definitely is an inspiration for me. Well, I think that's really great. And you know, no matter where you draw the inspiration from, at some point in time, you got to put it into action. And of course, this particular built-to-last competition is something that I think is noteworthy and something that I think a lot of us want to get the word out on because, boy, giving people with a fire in their belly like you have an opportunity is all you need. It's a little bit like throwing a match yep. onto fuel. It's going to take off, and that's all you needed was that little bit of a spark. Exactly. And you're exactly. providing a great spark for us today. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being with us, and thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versera right here on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown with the amazing Nikki Thompson Fraser. She is the CEO and founder of Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. And Michigan Business Network is proud to feature her and the Built to Last program that she was the winner of. And so, Nikki, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit, and then we'll get into some of your business challenges and opportunities. But tell me, going back as a young person, did you come from a large family where you had to get in the kitchen and mix it up yourself? Or uh, tell me about that. I came from a large extended family, but my mom said that I love playing with the pots and pans more than I love playing with my toys. So (laughs) I've always been kind of, I guess, inclined to be in the kitchen. So I have just one brother and one sister. So it's just three of us, but we have a huge extended family. My mom was one of seven. My dad was only one of three, but the one of seven, then they had lots of kids. So I had lots of cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody all around. Oh, that's so cool. And tell me, when you all get together, is food the center of the family gathering? 
Oh gosh, you know it. And like that good southern soul food, right? Oh, that no like just warms your heart and your belly. Well, and you got to know me. When you say bakery, it snaps my head around and I go, "Huh, let's talk." But you also have the cafe involved in this scenario. So, are you more bakery and a morning location or are you an all-day kind of come in and eat and let's have fun? So it's kind of an all day. So we have quiches for breakfast, but then for lunch, you can have sandwiches. We have soups, we have salads, we have all of that. So it's really just, you know, come all day long. Some people come in the morning first thing to get treats for their office. And some people come in in the morning to get quiche for breakfast. So uh, I love it. Yeah, so we kind of do it all, which is great. So if I was to get that extended family together and they said, okay, everybody tell me your favorite dish, the one thing that our family is known for do you have one of those is there anything like that that exists oh gosh yes there's so much so my dad is known for his pecan bars he's known for his baked beans his barbecue my mom is known for her lasagna oh my god it's amazing and my mom was also known for her german chocolate cake so people love our german chocolate cake here and it is a nod to my mom (laughs) well you're killing me here with that with all the yummy stuff there that's so exciting but Tell me, early on, you know, I always kid around with my dad. He was very mechanically inclined and could do fix anything. And his best advice to me was always, get back! (laughs) So one of the things I think about a young person like you in the kitchen, did moms move you right up to the counter and say, start mixing, go get them, Tiger? Pretty much because I didn't give her any other choice. Because like I said, I was always in the kitchen right underneath her seat. So she just started putting me to work. And I do the same thing with my kids. I literally have them in the high chair. And as I'm making food, I talk to them about the different foods, you know. And then I have a video of my daughter when she was only three. And she's cutting zucchini with a butter knife. <laughs> and it was so cute. Well, and that, start them early. That's awesome. And how old are your kids now, if I can ask? Yeah, my kids are 12 and 9. Well, and do they realize what an inspiration they have been for your entrepreneurial business here? Oh, yeah, they have. They understand. They come in here and help. My youngest considers herself to be the manager. And when people come in, she tells them, she's like, I'm the manager. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you better make sure you don't dismiss her. She might not give you a good seat. Exactly. That's very true. That's very true. You got to stay in her good graces. Well, tell me about how did you find out about Built to Last, the competition? Were you already in a position of making money and doing something? Or was the Built to Last the origin of the beginning of your business? So I had already started the business prior to, and I think a friend told me about it. It's like sent me an email and said, hey, have you heard about this? You should definitely apply. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And where was that business at? Were you running out of your home? Was there already a brick-and-mortar location? Yes, I was running out of my home, and I also operated at an Allen Neighborhood Center. So you had a bit of a start there and a bit of a launch. So when you finally took out the application, tell me about that. Is that a long, written process, or tell me what it took to get involved? So basically, you had to submit a proposal. I think it was like a one or two page proposal to tell people about your business and what your business or your business idea, because some people had a new business. So you had to do, I think it's one or two page proposal. And then from there, you actually got selected. I think they had maybe about 50 people from that. And then from there, you had to do a business plan. And you also had to do your sales projections and talk about, okay, this is my plan. This is my marketing plan. This is how much I anticipate bringing in every year. 
So you had to really get to the nitty gritty. Wow. And they gave you a business coach to help you with that along the way. And then from there, they had a pitch competition. So you had to pitch your business. I think we had like five minutes to pitch our business. And then <laughs> so that's kind of like winner. going in front of the Shark Tank bunch, right? Yeah. You gotta, right? Yep, 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 <laughs> so exactly. look, you're a great communicator. Did that unnerve you or was the filling out all the paperwork the hardest part? To be completely transparent, neither one was hard for me. So I have a background in corporate communications and training and development. My undergraduate is in journalism. So, and I also taught training classes. So I'm used to being in front of people. I actually used to teach a public speaking class at a university <laughs> in Texas. Wow. So I was an adjunct instructor. So that wasn't an issue. But then also when I worked in corporate communications, I had to do our communications plan. So that's like our strategy, right? So yeah. having doing a business plan was not hard for me because I already knew the basics of doing a good strategic plan. I'm sure the other people in the competition are going, hey, that's not fair. She already starts with such talent, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, sorry. Hey, what can I say? Well, I love what you're saying right here on the Michigan Business Network, <laughs> and I love that you're with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. We got to go pay some bills, and we're going to come right back. We'll be there in just a second. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And right here with us today is Nikki Thompson-Fraser. She is one of the winners or the winner of Built to Last, a competition for entrepreneurs that have a dream and a vision. She was given an opportunity to create and is the founder of Sweet Encounters Bakery and Cafe. So as you think about what's going on here with regard to getting started, were there some early challenges that kind of might have surprised you or maybe put you in a position where you were surprised at the beginning? So, you know, some of my earliest challenges was really staffing, which I thought was interesting because I used to be an executive director for a nonprofit. I've managed staff before, but I don't know if it's with the pandemic, with us being downtown, the challenges of having staff have to pay for their own parking. There's a lot of different elements, but really finding the right people for my team finding the right people that have the same vision as I do, that was really challenging, actually. So one of the things that I've been doing now is when I'm hiring people is making sure, one, we have an employee handbook, which we do now, and two, <laughs> really sharing our corporate values. Mm -hmm. So before I even hire you, I'm talking to you about my corporate values. I'm making sure that they align. One of our biggest things is give back. So if I want to give back to the community, I need to hire people with a give back spirit. And so I'm looking to see, do you have volunteerism on your resume? Are you somebody that, you know, gives and supports the community? And what ways do you do that? Because that's what I believe in as a business owner. So I want people to reflect that who work for me. 
Wow. I think that's really exciting. And of course, knowing your corporate values and kind of what's important to you right up front, I think you're onto something because you're not a very old entity in terms of a corporation or business. But look at what you've done is you've got an employee handbook and you've also refined this is what we stand for and this is what we won't stand for. I think that's pretty exciting. Tell me in those interviews, anybody blew you away? They go, wow, did she or he just say that? How do I feel about that? In a good way. In a good way. I would say yes, in a good way. I had someone who got hired in, so I'm an African-American female, and one of the things she said is that she really believes in supporting, you know, black-owned businesses, and she really believes in promoting that, and she kind of really talked about her story and things that she does in the community, and I was like, okay, wow, like, I like that. Like, that's what we want. We want people that, like I said, buy into who we are and are able to then communicate that. And I didn't just always communicate that with words, but how they interact with the customers, yeah. you know, so making the customers feel at home and, you know, going above and beyond with your customer service because you know it's a greater purpose to the business. When you were interviewing her, did you jump up and go, you're hired right on the spot? <laughs> I didn't quite do that, but no. I did reach out to her a couple of days later. Yeah, you're like, play it cool, but play I it cool. I really like this person. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, you know, some of the challenges with an entrepreneur, are there examples of surprises that you found along the way that you weren't expecting at all? Challenges that might have been, wow, that one really caught me off guard. Anything like that come to mind? Really keeping an eye on your finances because it can go south quickly. So one of the best advices that I was given is to look at your P&L, your profit and loss on a weekly basis. So like I said, I ran a nonprofit. And so I was used to P&L, balance sheets, all of that. But we looked at those like a monthly or semi-annual basis, yearly basis. It was not something we looked at on a weekly basis. But if you look at your profit and loss on a weekly basis, then you can start to see, okay, where am I going wrong? How do I need to shift? And then shift quickly. So you're not waiting months out and you're like, oh my gosh, I spent too much money on this. Or this was an expense I could have cut, you know, three weeks ago or three months ago. So really looking at your profit and loss statement and keeping track of your money. I think that's so critical. And a lot of business owners don't do that. So let me ask you this. Maybe it's just voyeurism on my part. But I wonder, I think about restaurants and a lot of people I think get enamored with the idea of running a restaurant and how fun that would be. But, you know, it's a lot of work. And when everybody's resting and relaxing or on their own time, you're working because that's when they're coming to do business with you. But tell me about some of the food spoilage issues. Don't you run into that where you've got to really stay on top of it to make sure your quality doesn't slip and you're not using stuff that should have been moved earlier? Yes, you have to stay on top of that. And you have to also make sure that you have really sound, strong recipes. So that was another wake-up call for me, is that, okay, that's great, Nikki, that you make these recipes, but how can you make sure that it's translatable to somebody else who can make them in your absence, mm. right? And so that means it has to be clear. You know, like, I grew up where my grandmother was like, a little pinch of this, a little pinch of that. Well, you can't have a little pinch of this and pinch of that in the recipes. Like, you have to be very specific with your measurements and your weights and things like that. So that was definitely a new experience for me. Well, and of course, part of what you have is when you say recipes, it's if you think it's proprietary. I mean, you don't want your recipes walking down the road with somebody that was cooking for you two weeks ago. And now they're taking that to the competition or other locations. How do you manage that? You know, everything I do, you know, I copyright it. So that helps to protect it. But at the end of the day, you know, people can memorize stuff. And it's kind of like 
you do what you can, but at the same time, you realize that some things that you just can't completely control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I remember so, my sister worked in a little restaurant and they had a pie that they used to make. It was a crustless custard pie. And the well, recipe was good. secret and nobody could have the recipe. But she was charged with making it every day. And so she had to go back and make it time and time again to the point where, to your point, she knows how to make them. <laughs> so now yeah, exactly. she's got it upstairs, you know, so I think that's kind of funny. But, you know, whether it's top secret or not, we want to make sure everybody knows about how to find and how to understand where to get in touch with Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. And Nikki, you're right there in the thick of it all. We're so glad you are. So glad you joined us today here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is the Michigan Business Network, and this is the Leadership Lowdown. So grateful that I have some opportunity to spend time with the busy Nikki thompson Fraser. She's the CEO and founder of Sweet Encounters Bakery and Cafe, and so many good things are going on, and we're going to talk about some of that there. But, you know, Nikki, you sound like such a gregarious, vibrant individual. Tell me about the people that have poured into you to help maybe fashion some of your business sense and maybe some of the things that have inspired you or some mentors in your world? That is an excellent question. I've had some really great mentors. I will definitely give a shout out to LEAP, Lansing Economic Area Partnership. Oh, yeah. They're a local organization and their goal is to really help to build businesses, especially small businesses. So they have a lot of resources available to you. I was a part of their Elevate program, which were for small black business owners. I was actually in the inaugural class. So talk about me being a trailblazer in a lot of different ways. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And it was just a great experience because we were really able to get resources, connect with a consultant to really help us think through our business and our strategy. I would also say that the Small Business Development Association right downtown Lansing was also a great resource. So we have tons of good resources in our community. And I just think businesses need to tap into those great resources. Mm, Very good. Well, when you think about individuals, has there ever been a time in your life when somebody pulled you aside and said, Nikki, here's what you got to do? I mean, any of those quiet moments when you go, wow, did that just happen? Anything like that that kind of blew you away? I would definitely say so. Actually, I had a conversation with someone just the other day. And they're a fellow business owner here in Lansing. And they were like, okay, you know, how can I support you with your business? And these are some things that, you know, we're working on. And, you know, would this also benefit your business? And it's like, oh, great. Yeah, to have that collaboration with small business owners because we have some of the same struggles. So we can really work together collectively, even thinking through strategy. How do we work through our staffing? Like that person gave me some great tips on my staffing issues. And so it was really helpful to be able to bounce those ideas off of someone else. Well, and I think it's so important. You know, it's the old thing. 
paying it forward. So you're in a position now where you're probably hiring a variety of different people and working with different people and trying to coach them along the way and give them some corrective advice. If you think about how to build people, any special advice that you have as you think about the service industry that you're in, some tips and things you'd share with some of your newest employees when they come through the door. I know that you want to align them with your values and judgments, but any kind of here's what you got to do comments that you can think of? So we do a lot of training with customer service and making sure that our customers have a good experience. And so I talk to them, like for instance, when people come in, we say, hi, how can we sweeten your day? When people leave, we say, thank you for letting us sweeten your day. So I try to communicate to my staff that Really, the whole sales process is customer service. A lot of people think about, oh, when you're trying to sell something onto somebody, but really, if you offer great customer service, you sold them, right? Mm, And they're going to come back again and again, and they're going to tell their friends. Right. Well, in in this thing, again, I think about the desire of people that want to own their own business and have this concept that, you know, I don't have to answer to anybody, and I get this freedom and all these glorified things that happen, but... Every day you're answering to a customer that walks through that door. You're answering to your brand that you're trying to build daily to make sure it's a stellar brand and one that is spotless and is known throughout the community. So as you think about those masters that you have to listen to and the people you have to attend to, there's lots of people that you're answering to as a business owner, isn't there? There is. And honestly, one of the other, I guess, people that you didn't say is you have to answer to your staff. Mm, I mean, yeah, they answer to you, but you really have to answer to them, too, meaning that you have to cater to their needs. You need to make sure that it's an environment where they want to work, right? Right. Where they want to come back every day, where they want to serve your customers, where they want to work for you. So they are also a key stakeholder in your business. Yeah. Man, you've got such a big, powerful brain. I just love the idea of what you're sharing here today. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was the whole giving back concept to make sure that everybody understands your values. And so tell me, in a restaurant, when you watch food being thrown out or you watch maybe stuff that's been prepared that is going to go to waste if you don't move it. Have you found some benefactors on the other end of your operation where you can maybe get some of those excesses to people that need it or might appreciate it? Yes, we do. So we give to the mission, which is right down the street. So the rescue mission is right down the street from us. So it's very convenient for us to just drop things off there. So that is some place that we use a lot. And then a lot of times we may have people that want us to donate for certain things. So we'll give our excess to that. So we find ways to be able to utilize it. Well, and I think that's just keeping your eyes open and kind of being wise about how you can help others along the way. Well, and I really appreciate some of your thoughts today, Nikki, because there's so many things that all of us translate into opportunities in our businesses and people we want to meet along the way. So again, thanks for being with us. And thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercero. We'll be right back.
The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. right here on the Michigan Business Network. And of course, I'm so privileged and honored to speak with Nikki Thompson-Fraser. She's the CEO and founder of Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. And of course, you know, one of the things that you mentioned and that we've not had a chance to talk about, tell me, Nikki, about your situation as it relates to your interest in cooking classes and some of the other things that you do besides bake goods and do cafe. Tell me about that. It sounds fun. Yes, so we are more than a bakery. We provide experiences. So we do cooking classes for all ages. We do corporate cooking classes during the holidays. We had several businesses come in for their holiday parties, which was amazing. So we love doing that. Today, we have a business that's coming in to do a luncheon here. So they're having their big kind of holiday luncheon for Valentine's Day. So we get a lot of really cool experiences, but our classes are really what sets us apart from many other businesses. Our kid classes are all STEAM-based, so science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And then our adult classes are just super fun. So we just have fun, get in the kitchen, and start baking and cooking and having a great time. Uh, I love it. Well, so tell me, you know, you mentioned recipes and the proprietary situation with recipes. When you're in a cooking class, what are you doing? You're talking more techniques? Is that what you're coaching and teaching? So we teach techniques, but we also do give them recipes. Our recipes, we do have our copyright on them. And sometimes we kind of tweak our recipes a little bit. Like we may not give you all of our secrets. <laughs> but, you know, you got to save a little bit of something, right? right? a little hold back. <laughs> so you got to hold back just a little bit. But nonetheless, it's always super fun, though. And really, people are paying for the experience. You know, the food is good, too, but really the experience is what people are paying for. So we always like to say experience over things. So we provide that wonderful experience for you. Well, and so really, when you think about, and I'm fairly ignorant on the gluten-free thing. I just had a friend of mine, we spent a weekend together, and I asked him about, so what happens if you get too much gluten and all the other things? And I was amazed. I was just dumbfounded in terms of the amount of pain and suffering that happens when yeah, he doesn't yeah. eat right. And yeah. so it's interesting because when you get into classes, part of what you can do in your classes is talk about the gluten-free nature of cooking at home, correct? Is that kind of right. part of it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and again, I think overall, I would think grocery stores are getting better at labeling and pointing out some of the areas for specialty needs like that. But in some of what you're looking at, keeping a peanut allergy as an example, some of those are pretty severe reactions, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And in your situation, is your child a severe peanut allergy? Oh, yeah. It's anaphylactic. Yeah. Yes, it's anaphylactic. So when they have EpiPens... Oh, and yeah, I pray that you've never had to use one on your child, but that would be scary stuff. When oh, yeah. you think about being an environment that's gluten-free and peanut allergy-free, what type of contaminants can enter into your world that would cause potential damage to others and to your brand? So we try to limit that. So it's like our staff knows like don't bring in you know like outside stuff or if you do like we have a lobby area outside so people can be able to eat it outside in the hallway so we 
try to make sure that we put in some safety precautions. And then since everything is gluten-free, we just make sure that when I'm buying and I'm sourcing, that I'm sourcing from places that I know that are certified gluten-free and things like that to keep everybody safe. Yeah, well, I think that's the key is you've got to do it, be intentional about it and make sure it's one of those things that you just can't play around with it. That's all there is to it. So when I think about your operations, tell me about building some of your brand overall, because do you find that by being, and don't be offended by this, but when I say specialty bakery and restaurant that's gluten-free and peanut allergy-free, does that limit you or does that push you to the top in terms of people that are interested? Because would people walk by and go, I don't got to worry about eating gluten-free. I'm not going to stop there. So do you think that limits your brand at all? I think that it can potentially, but one of the things is that we work really hard to dispel those myths. And honestly, we talk about how we're gluten-free, but that's not the main thing that we lead with. We Uh lead with how great our products are. We lead with our customer service. There's people who come in here who actually have had our products and didn't even realize that they were gluten-free. Uh, yeah. So it's, so it's not it's what like you're you leading gotta, with, right? It's not your headline. No. It's really to surprise people because sometimes people have that notion in their heads. So I had, for instance, someone who we were advertising for our pasta-making class, which actually that class did say that in the description that it was gluten-free, and I guess the person didn't read initially. And then they end up sending an email and said, hey, you know, after they register for the class, we didn't realize this class was gluten-free. And I said, well, yep, you know, and they were like, oh, we like all of our gluten. And I said, you really should try out the class first and then make a decision. Yeah, I, said, I love it. And I'll be willing to actually reimburse you yeah. if you decide you didn't like it. Like we did a pasta-making class the other day. Everybody in the class didn't have any allergies. So there uh. was no person that had a gluten allergy in our class, and everybody loved it. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, it's kind of like all the flavor and gluten-free. So you got the best of both worlds. And of course, best of both worlds is having a chance to be with you today, Nikki. Thanks so much for being a part of the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We have one precious segment left. We'll be right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. our final segment here on the Leadership Lowdown, and we have with us today Nikki Thompson-Fraser. She's the CEO and founder of Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. I am just learning so much and so delighted that she's joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. Nikki, tell me, you've got a brick-and-mortar facility now because that was part of your winning opportunity that was with the entire built-to-last success. So tell me, is that something that you had to decorate? Did somebody already do it for? How'd that work? How did you get your cafe to look the way it does? Our 
our cafe looks amazing because of friends and community members. So I put a call out and said, hey, can people come and help? And that's exactly what happened. One of my Girl Scout moms, she designed our wall that we have. We have like this really cool, funky design on our back wall. She designed it. One of my husband's fraternity brothers, he actually like completed it. He's a carpenter, so he built it out for us. So what you see when you come in is a labor of love from people who love us. <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. And it really feels like a community cafe because of the way that everybody's helped you along the way. I think that's so fun and so exciting. We're going to run out of time here, and I don't want to do that because I want to make sure everybody understands your business. So if I wanted to come down for breakfast, lunch, do you do dinner? We don't. So we okay. close at 2 o'clock. So nope, okay. we just do breakfast and lunch. So if I want to come down for breakfast or lunch, where am I going to find you guys at? So we are located in the Naps Building, downtown Lansing, right off of Washington Square and Washington Off. Now that is a beautiful building, which has an Art Deco feel to it and a uh-huh. really good-looking building. I'm so glad they didn't bulldoze it. We're such a throwaway society when there's places like that that can be kept. So you're in the Naps Building, and so in that building, you kind of set up shop and made it home, and you got it decorated the way you want it. So tell me, you've got a breakfast menu. You mentioned quiche. Is it? All kinds of breakfast stuff, everything from omelets to hash browns to whatever? So, no. We have a very simple menu. So, we do quiches, we do breakfast sandwiches, and that's pretty much it. And then for lunch, we do soup sandwiches and chips. And so, we keep it very simple. Nice. And, of course, it can be on the go, too, for busy downtown people, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. People get it on the go all the time. So tell me about your facility. You mentioned you're going to have some private parties. Is your facility big enough to have groups come in, or how does that work? Yes, we can seat at least 30 people comfortably in here, but standing, we can probably get about 75 to 100 people in our facility. And we also do large catering events. So we did the MSU Family Weekend, and we catered to nearly 3,000 people at their tailgating event. Yeah, and so when we talk about you know, do people like our food? Guess what? People loved our tailgating event. We did pulled pork sandwiches, pulled chicken. It was yummy and delicious. And of course, we did the desserts too. I didn't hear that wrong. You said 3,000 people. Yes, nearly 3,000 people. That's right. When you have a small cafe and you're not dealing with those kind of numbers, how do you ramp up to do something like that? Did you pull all that from your own kitchens? Yeah, we pulled it off from our own kitchen. You know, I have a really good food distributor that we use to get the supplies that we needed. And we were really able to make it work. So kudos to my team for really working together and being all hands on deck. Yeah, I guess. And of course, then they're probably, when you think about showing up, you must have had to rent or gather all the equipment. 3,000 is a lot. I was in charge that's of feeding about 2,400 one time, and that's a pretty big deal. So pretty you, big deal. The coordination is over the top. Anything that you learn from that that maybe you go, well, next time I do this, or wow, this really worked well? So what really worked well is we got a U-Haul, and that was really helpful because we were able to transport things, really writing everything down, having a solid plan hour by hour, minute by minute, what needs to be done, making sure those things are done, having people assigned to specific tasks, certain stations, and making sure we understood the lay of the land. We went into Mun Ice Arena, that's where it was, ahead of time to see how was their facility set up? How would we be able to set up, you know, what we needed? And then how would we be able to keep stuff cold and hot? And so really working through all of those details and making sure you have it written 
and that everybody understands the plan. Well, and it's the old don't quit your day job either because you still had to run a cafeteria and a bakery and then all say, oh, by the way, we're feeding these 3,000 people that are coming to town. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, Nikki, that's just amazing. That's incredible. And by the way, you mentioned your husband. And so is he a part of the business or is he staying out of your hair and trying to just applaud from the sidelines? So he is an integral part of the business. He's not a paid member yet. He still gets his main bread and butter from MSU, and we appreciate that because that's where our benefits come from. But at some point, we do want to transition him into the business full time. Well, I won't tell his boss, but in the meantime, he probably gets the benefit of eating pretty well, having Nikki and the girls around to help him along the way. So I love that. And Nikki, man, I'm really grateful to hear your story. I'm glad Michelle Massey put us together. And of course, I'm really excited about the fact that we have such young, energetic, dynamic people like you that have taken some risk, because that's what business is, taken some risk personally and come in and done such great job and having such success. So let me be among the many to congratulate you, Nikki, and to thank you for being a part of today's show. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great day. Well, Nikki, we're so glad to have you. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network and so glad to have you part of the Leadership Lowdown family. This is Vic Versero. I can't wait to talk to you next time.